0: Welcome to the Pope on Film! I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am the Pope in question.
1: My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Bedwood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. It is episode 210 of this podcast. Don't question it. 209 episodes have led us here, and very excited about this episode because you probably can't tell what movie we're going to do this week, but let me tell you, this week we're doing Battlefield Earth! (laughs) Or as I like to call it, Dutch Angles, the movie! Yes. That's why why I'll be doing this a lot, because this is how the entire film was
0: pretty much the
1: entire film the entire film so there's going to be a lot of tilting in this episode and uh, uh, we should have a lot of middle wipes
2: too, they did that a lot they did a lot of this to go between scenes a lot of middle wipes. Anyway, episode
1: 210. Today, we will be talking about uh, German reality shows, M. Night, Shama Lama Ding Dong, The Surprising History of Train Porters. Okay. Uh, and there's no good way to say it, so I'm just going to come out and say it. This, this episode is an episode of... It's an episode of... Uh, of shaps. I've got a a small shap for Act 1, I've got a regular shap for Act 2, and as always, and I've got a big Steve's Historic Approximations for Act 3 when we talk about the making of this week's movie, Battlefield Earth, so you're (coughs) going to be learning a lot, I guess is what I'm saying. A lot of education being brought on you. So let's just get into it with Act 1. BUDDY! YES! THIS IS THE EIGHTH WEEK OF OUR SUMMER OF BOTTOMING, WHERE EACH WEEK WE WILL BE DOING DEEP DIVES INTO IMDB'S BOTTOM 100 LIST OF THE 100 WORST FILMS OF ALL TIME, AND IT HAS BEEN PURE UNMITIGATED HELL! THAT'S THE on FILM PROMISE! Uh, last week, we saw 2018 Slenderman, and this week we are developing engrams with a look at the legendary bad film, Battlefield Earth, which, oh my god,
2: best film of
0: all time. It's, it, it, it's <sighs> been you. hard, it's been hard so far, but to our credit, neither one of us has cried yet. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we might,
1: we might get there this week. Uh,
0: it came close with Swept Away. Oh, I, God. I was yeah, that very was, emotional. That was, that was week one. Huh? Yes. Yeah. That yeah. was
2: week one. Yes.
1: Uh, to think that we started so strong.
3: Where's about to win this match?
1: Uh, it it really swept can't... away. May have been swept away because the difficult thing about doing well, a look into is... the bottom one hundred is that it's constantly changing. So for all I know, it might not even be on the list anymore. On the
3: last week, you guys need to do a review of these were on the list when we did them. And these aren't, or this is where they are now. Yeah, because like it's changing constantly.
1: So that's interesting. Uh, I didn't think about that, but okay. So, but every week during Act One, in the beginning of the show. I like to spend a wee bit of time discussing one of the 100 movies on the list that we will not be watching this summer, because we can't we can't watch all of them. There isn't 100 weeks in a single summer yet. We have scientists working on this as we speak. There aren't 100 weeks of summer, but there are 104 days of summer vacation, and school comes along just to end it. Anywho! Okay, but here's how
3: finished perfect Every
1: hmm. day would be quite unique. Yeah, nice. They would, like, stretch time. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So anyway, uh, this week, uh, we will be talking... One of the movies that we will not be doing on the podcast that I want to talk about is a 2004 German film called Daniel Der Zauberer. Okay. Which roughly translates to Daniel the Wizard... And I, I don't even know how to ex- to to begin to quickly tell you the story of Daniel Kubelbach, a.k.a. Lana Kaiser, but I'm going to try. It's going to be a little mini-shaft, So so here you go. Daniel the Wizard is number 16 on the list, or at least it was in the beginning of this week when I wrote
2: all this, so...
1: Daniel Kubelbach was a contestant on the very popular German singing show Deutschland sucht den Superstar in 2003. He came in third place. He parlayed that into a record contract and he released 14 albums. Five of them were live albums between 2003 and 2016. He was so popular... That, he, that in 2004, he wrote and starred in a film called Daniel the Wizard about his life, except in this film, uh, an evil wizard is trying to kill him, so he learns magic, with the combined, and with the combined forces of uh, magic... And Daniel's singing, he's able to bring peace, plus he keeps having visions of his dead grandfather who occasionally has one arm, and it's widely considered to be one of Germany's worst films, which says a lot because it's Germany. Yes. Uh, I've seen the previews, and it looks pretty bad. What it looks like is uh, a community theater production of The Room.
0: Uh, okay. Is what
1: Daniel is what Daniel the Wizard looks like. I found the film, but I haven't found it in English, which is why I wanted to do it this summer. I just couldn't find an English translation of it. Uh, it looks like absolute trash, and we won't be doing it this summer now. But if I'm going to keep looking, and if I can find like a sub or a dub version of Daniel the Wizard, then you bet your ass we will be doing. Daniel Der Zauberer at some point in time down the road, so be ready for that. But there's more to the story, because Daniel Kubelbach made this movie. It's wildly considered to be, like, Germany's worst film. Uh, his career continued after making such a horrible film. He was on German Big Brother. He was on another German reality show called Less, Let's Dance. And he even... Re- Released a line of unisex perfume, which I like. I like that. It's like when uh, Alice Cooper released a line of unisex eyeshadow
4: in the oh.
1: 70s. You know? So, uh, Pioneer. So, if Daniel Kubelbach first came out as bi, Then he came out as gay. Then in 2018, she said that she was trans and she was now a woman named Lana Kaiser and that she would live out the rest of her life as a woman. Shortly after making this announcement, Lana went on a cruise headed to New York City and on September 9th, 2018, Lana jumped overboard. Her body was never found. And finally, on March 2021, Germany officially declared Lana dead after an exhaustive search could not find Lana's body. Me being an American who in the past has watched a shit ton of Dateline NBC, I automatically think, okay then, I've seen this episode. Who threw Lana off of the cruise ship? But apparently, no, she just killed herself, which is really sad. You know, me being the American, I'm like, ah, there's more to this story. Who killed her? What was her motive? Was it love? Was it revenge? But no, apparently Lana was just... Uh, depressed, uh, mental illness, killed herself, which is sad. But, yeah, Daniel the Wizard, we won't be watching it this summer. But if I can... But it looks to be a wonderful, wonderfully bad movie. Like, phenomenally bad. But it does... It is a bit morbid now, knowing that the star of the film um, killed themselves. But... Uh, yeah, uh, Daniel the Wizard. You should at least see the preview. It's uh, the the trailer is on YouTube. It is morbidly fascinating. Uh, <laughs> tra- it it is it is frightening. Also, if you are watching this live, uh, hi, and there is exactly one hour left to still vote on what movie we will be doing next week for the podcast. We are in. We are near the end game, people. We are near nearing the end of the list. This week's movie is number twenty, so we're getting close to the end. So yes, uh, yes. So the three movies that are that are in in line for us to do next week are Alone in the Dark, a Huey Bull film where Tara Reid plays a scientist, from Justin to Kelly, the American Idol film and Son of the Mask, which some people will think, oh, that's the low-budget sequel to The Mask. No, nope. Son of the Mask had a bigger budget than The Mask did. <laughs> it had more money. It had more of a studio backing. It had more financial support than Jim Carrey's The Mask had, so... Uh, plus, I really want to rip on Jamie Kennedy. He was, he was tricked into uh, appearing... Last year, Jamie Kennedy was tricked into appearing... A, a co-starring in a far-right anti-abortion film. Really? Okay. Ro- yeah, there, it, was a, it was a real smear hit piece movie called Roe v. Wade... And uh, Jamie Kennedy was in it. And apparently, if you want Jamie Kennedy to be in your far right film, all you have to do is go up to Jamie Kennedy and say, So we're thinking about a dramatic role for you. And it doesn't matter what you say after that, you had Jamie Kennedy at dramatic role. <laughs> Because he had no idea that he was in a far-right film with all of these, uh, like, far-right, extremist, uh, white power figures. So that's... The fact
3: that he didn't know that they were far-right, extremist, Republican figures, how did Lynn's credit the fact that he's
4: not?
3: You know?
1: Yeah, but apparently... So we want you to star in this film. We're thinking of a dramatic role for you. It's all about how QAnon is real and Donald Trump is the real president and there are lizard people. It's like, oh, you don't have to say anything else. You had me a dramatic role. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy will be there Monday bright and early. So apparently that's how you get Jamie Kennedy. So there's a... Uh... Um, a, I, need to, I need to propose
3: some ideas to Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, that's
1: that's all you need. That's all you need. It's fascinating. So that's it for uh, our look into the movies we won't be doing. I I wanted to do Son of the Mask just to rip on Jamie Kennedy, the star of uh, *Son of Son of the Mask, but... What? Right now, it's only getting six percent of the vote, so I don't yeah. think we will be ripping on Jamie Kennedy next week. I,
4: I, I, I but went and that's I voted favorite.
0: for son of the mask, and but yeah, because you got to vote for the unknown. Yeah,
1: uh, I voted for Alone in the Dark because you. we've never done a ooey Bowl film on the podcast. And what happened?
3: Well, he got outside, no, I picked him up, and Omar has money.
1: Ew. Okay. Hooray. So, uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, Next week, we will be talking, when we get to the part of Act One where we talk about the movie that we won't be doing for the podcast, we will be talking about a Turkish propaganda film that is currently number four on the list of the 100 worst movies of all time. Number four! Really? So... Yeah, we'll be talking about that next week. So be sure and join us for more of uh, the 100 worst movies we won't be watching this summer. And cut on that.
0: Yes.
1: I have the AMC A-list membership. It's a subscription service wherein for 19.95 a month I get 3 free movies a week and so from December 2018 to March 2020 I managed to watch 178 movies within a 66 week period and that is impressive but then the pandemic stopped all of that but now I'm back to going to movies. I'm watching two movies a week because baby steps. The pandemic's still around, people. Someone should tell that to Lollapalooza. But anyway, let's talk movies because it's time once again for Steve Stubbs of the
0: Week! Thank
1: you. Okay, so this is my fifth week back to watching movies, with a combined total of 10 movies that I have seen in theaters. This week, I saw the following two movies. M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong's new film, Old, and Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. So every week during this segment, I like to pick one film, which is my pick of the week. But before we do that, let's discuss the movie that was not chosen as my movie pick of the week. Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. All right. Uh, this was okay. This was pretty good. This was an all right film. It, it wasn't horrible, but that's actually a good review because this is a G.I. Joe movie. Yeah. So, saying this was pretty good is actually high praise. It's like the Transformers movie Bumblebee. Like, it's high praise to say, I didn't want to gouge my eyes out with a rusty spoon. You know? Like, that's a good review for a Transformers movie. Like, uh, oh, Bumblebee? Oh, I didn't want to commit suicide while watching it. That's that's high praise. So me saying about a GI Joe movie this was pretty good, that's that's high. That's high praise. Yes. High praise. Here's the thing. I'm in my 40s now and so a lot of guys in their 40s grew up with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and grew up with Transformers and grew up with G.I. Joe. But here's the thing a lot of people my age never grew out of any of those fucking things.
4: <laughs> there are
1: people out there that are my age that are still super obsessed with He Man. There are people out there that are still super obsessed with uh, like GI Joe and uh, Transformers and like like I had a bunch of GI Joe toys and I played with them all the time and then I grew up and learned about titties and I stopped giving a crap about GI Joe. Yeah. Apparently, I'm a rarity because so many people are still obsessed to this day. Uh, Kevin Smith's new Masters of the Universe animated show, Masters of the Universe Revelations, uh, the first five episodes premiered on Netflix. And I watched the first two episodes of Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe animated cartoon, and it was pretty good. Uh, But it focuses a lot on Tila, which is the main female of the He-Man universe. And really, she's like the hero of the new Masters of the Universe film. So, of course, a bunch of uh, whiny baby males are like, a girl as the star? Oh my god, it's the Ghostbusters all over again! My childhood is ruined! And it's like, Why do you care so much about He-Man? Yeah. You know? Don't understand. I don't get it. I don't understand. You have made me a drink. What is this? What is this? Strawberry Mojito, take... Strawberry Mojito, take three. Ooh, okay.
2: I'm gonna try it now. Is it still too many...
3: No, no, it's
1: good, it's good. I I didn't, it it wasn't as fruity as I expected it to be. I expected it to be more sugary, but it's good. It's very good. The mint is just right. I really like this, thank you. My wife is becoming quite the mixologist.
0: Really? Good.
1: Yeah, yeah. We got 110 viewers for our last Twitch, somehow. We were going to do it again last night, but we were so exhausted from the parade. Which we'll get to in Act 2. We'll get to that in Act 2. Uh, so, okay. Uh, G.I. Joe. So, um, a lot of guys in their 40s are still all gun ho about the things that they were into when I was a kid. But it's like, I grew out of ALF. Yeah. I grew out of He-Man. And I don't really give a shit what you do about G.I. Joe. I like, didn't want like especially,
0: especially fucking He-Man, though. He-Man was barely a cartoon. You know? It I was mean, just an ad for toys. Yeah.
1: That's all it was. Yeah. I so liked I the female so Ghostbusters. That was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Dude, I don't understand. I'm an adult virgin. I don't understand. At all. But... So I wasn't going to go see the Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins film. Because I never saw the last two live-action G.I. Joes. And I don't care about G.I. Joes anymore. But then I realized that the guy who is starring in the G.I. Joe Snake Eyes Origins film... He played Dry Eye, the bad guy, in... Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. Yeah, which I freaking love that movie so much. And I'm like, okay, I'll give the G I Joe movie the benefit of the doubt because Dry Eye is in it. and I love I love that movie so much. So I watched it and it is it's it's a good film it's about ninjas and the yakuza and there are a few small uh, gi joe characters in it and there's some twists and oh these guys are the good guys and these guys are the bad guys but wait whose side are you on and and it it, it was a decent film it was all right it was pretty good mostly harmless it was okay Which says a lot coming from a G.I. Joe movie. So anyway, that's Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Uh, If you were going to see a film, there are worse films you can see. The G.I. Joe film is alright. Yes. Now, my Steve Stubbs pick of the week is M. Night Shyamalan's Old. Uh, I really liked this film. Really? And I think it's because I'm old. Yeah. Because I went to go see the movie, and there were like 20 people in the audience. And I swear to God, I think this is because it's a horror film. I swear to God, I was the only person in that theater older than 25. <laughs> there were a lot of there were a lot of teens in the theater. A lot of groups of uh, like high schoolers. And loud teens and people texting during the movie. And a couple of selfies during the previews. And people talking loudly amongst themselves while the movie is going on. So a bunch of young people and Gen Zs and all of that. And I heard a lot of them making fun of the movie as I left. And I think it's because they were too young to fully see the film as a horror movie. These people, they're on vacation, they go to this beach and while they're in the beach, they're aging rapidly and like they age five years for every like hour that they're at the beach and they can't leave the beach and they're stuck there and they need to figure out what's happening and why and who's behind it and how to get out before they all die because even the small kids that are there on vacation within like 48 hours will be dead of old age and they have to figure out the mystery behind all of this rigmarole and I think that this is not a horror film to older, to younger people to younger people who don't make noise when they bend their knees, yes, they're not going to find this scary, you know? And especially for parents, especially for, for older people and for people with children, this is a pretty scary film. And I liked it. I have read some reviews of people who have said within 10 minutes, within five minutes, within 15 minutes, I knew exactly who was responsible for this movie. The twist at the end of who is responsible for this. Oh, I saw it coming a mile away. I didn't, but I don't know. Maybe, Bunny, you would because you have written. I hate
0: those people.
1: Um, I hate
0: those people that, like, Uh, Oh, okay, you're a genius because you figured out the fucking twist of a goddamn M. Night Shyamalan movie. Is that what you're trying to do? I mean... Yeah. What difference is it? Like, I I don't try to figure it out. I want to be surprised. I'm paying money to be surprised. I'm not paying money to prove I'm too smart to be surprised yeah you know but and, and I just find yeah. that so fucking irritating Damn, I exactly. until you figured it out great
1: yeah yeah I I didn't I I didn't see it coming and I thoroughly enjoyed the film you know I'm surprised that it was PG 13 I thought they could have gone uh, gorier. And darker with it. Yeah, but they didn't. It's a PG-13 film, but I thought it was uh, very scary, and I liked it. And cat, can you stop meowing? Very rude. Stop. You can't get a spinoff. So many, so many people in this house angling for a spinoff. Not going to happen. Not happening, ma'am these cats but yeah old I really enjoyed it I thought it was very very good and I liked it so there you go you can tell that I'm classy look at it I've got a strawberry mojito and the cheapest microwave popcorn that's a sign of class
0: yes it is
1: only classy people uh, are twitching with this setup so <laughs> hooray for hooray for me. So that's it for Steve Stubbs of the week. Let me uh, let me let me go let me go to my app here and tell you exactly what movies I have lined up for uh, next week. Oh, I'm watching The Green Knight, which is the new A24 film. There's rave reviews, and uh, the the Jungle Cruise movie with The Rock. I think I'm gonna like the new Jungle Cruise movie because I don't have any stakes because. Um, I don't give a rat's ass about that ride.
0: Yeah, who, who would have stakes in this? And, like... Like, I don't... It's the jungle it's game. without you know, Jumanji. Is what it looks like to you, me.
2: If you made a Tiki Room movie, oh, I would have...
1: I would be, you know, on opening day. Yeah. And I would be like, you better do this right but it's the Jungle Cruise. I don't give a shit. Like, I I hardly... I, I don't like that ride. You can do whatever the fuck you want with that. When, when they finally release the Haunted Mansion movie, oh, I will have some issues and some concerns, but it's the Jungle Cruise. Who gives a shit? Do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. It might as well be People Mover, the movie. Like, okay, I don't care. I don't care. So... I might like Jungle Cruise, but that's next week, so be sure and join us for some real up-to-the-day movie reviews with Steve Stubbs of the Week. And cut on that. Bunny!
2: Yes! Ooh, I am drinking. This is gonna be... Uh,
1: and I've got edibles. So this is gonna be an exciting episode of The Pope on Film from here on out. Okay, so, um, we've got a full... No, keep, keep
0: the we've drink in shot, man. The drink looks so good in shot.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, especially with my nails and my hair. Oh, it's looking great. Looking great. Uh, Hold on a second, Jaden. Uh, Honey! Jaden wants you! Plus, I'm trying to angle this so that there's not a n- naked nephew in the shot. He's not naked. He's, he is... Swim trunks. Yeah. Shouldn't say these sort of things. You
3: probably shouldn't. on Twitch. Twitch
1: doesn't get us yet, so it's fine. Uh, we still have a full episode to get to. Uh, we've got to talk about um, uh, parades. Uh, train porters. We're going to get deep, balls deep into train porters. I've got... A whole chap in Act 3 about how this week's movie Battlefield Earth uh, was a scam.
0: A scam? Okay. Yeah.
1: Not only is the book Battlefield Earth a Scientology scam, but then when they made the movie Battlefield Earth, scammers scammed the scammers. Okay. The whole thing. Scam-ception. So we got. A, Yes, Scamception. Yeah. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should
0: take a break.
1: All right. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do, 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 doo do, do, do,
5: Oh, oh, when you think you're ready, now new Crazy Eddie. The man who's got most everything wa-pa, stereo wa-pa, sound. His audio selection, you with your perfection. He's the man with all the lowest prices Price around. So, so come on down and put him to the, the test. test.
0: She whose price is really all the best Who picks you up with a you place And guaranteed a smile upon your face
5: oh, When you think you're ready, down to Crazy Eddie The man who's got most everything, his And so the story's told, across the
2: whole wide world Crazy Eddie will not
0: ever be undersold a new stereo, color TV, CB? Call 645-1196 for the most ridiculous prices ever during Crazy Eddie's Christmas Sale. In August?
2: Huh, look at this. Certified,
1: frustration-free packaging. Hmm. Not...
2: Not frustrating, that's good. Guess I just pull here, and, uh...
4: damn it damn it damn it keep I <laughs> am
2: The Death of Richie, the special edition. The Death of Richie is a 1977 made-for-TV movie. And now, with The Death of Richie special edition, now out on Blu-ray and DVD, you can watch The Death of Richie as it was originally meant to be. Gone are all of the old and outdated scenes of a young man struggling with a drug addiction, and in its place is the scene at the end of La Bamba where actor Isai Morales calls out for his brother. It's the death of Richie, special La Bamba edition. Gone are Robbie Benson, and in its place, one hour and 35 minutes of Isai Morales yelling for Richie. That's all it is—just Esai Morales yelling for Richie. Richie. Do you like seeing Mexicans yell for their dead brother? Of course you do. And now with the death of Richie, the special edition—you can watch one hour and thirty-five minutes of Esai Morales yelling for his brother. Ha 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 That's right, Esai Morales. Richie! It's the Death of Richie, the special edition!
4: Richie! Richie! I can do it longer than them. So
2: I like these posts
1: in the rants and raves section of the Oklahoma City Craigslist page because it—I I guess it's just justifying my beliefs. People
2: are horrible. The headline is USA and Mexico. God. Uh, all right, I keep a positive attitude towards this. I was visiting with a blood relative who was married to a MEXICAN. And the relative brought up Trump and the wall. The relative was irritated that Trump thinks Mexico will pay for the wall. Being a nice relative, I just listened and was told Mexico hates Trump. I feel as if I have stumbled onto something. Go, Trump, go, make me build that
3: beautiful wall.
2: I'm so happy to be a brown skinned
1: individual in the Bible Belt. Gee, I feel so uh, welcomed and invited. Just feel so warm. People are treating me so nice here. Like, man, they make sure with their sights on me first it's like I have red dots all around me from their sniper rifles yay I'm gonna get me a pickup truck and a dog and a shotgun
2: I'll start saying y'all
0: be like water and come back next week or I'll kick your ass Hey <laughs>
5: Think you're ready Go down to Crazy Wap-wap. Eddie The man who's got Most everything stereo sound His audio selection Wap-wap. Wally with your perfection He's the man With all the lowest Prices Wap-wap. around So come
4: on down And, and put it to the, the test the See whose prices Really are the best, best. Who fix you
0: up with the sound of your place And guarantee
5: a smile upon your face Oh, when you think you're ready Down to Crazy Eddie The man who's got most everything Stereo sound And so the stories told Across the whole wide world
0: Crazy Eddie will not ever be And we're back! with more of the pope on film bunny yes
2: strong dramatic opening
0: <clears throat> are
1: you ready for another exciting installment of bunny versus starring the incomparable bunny williams are you ready are you pumped are you amped are you jazzed are you psyched are you primed are are, are you are you feeling it are you ready to do it to it I AM
4: READY!
1: I AM READY! Okay. Then without any further ado, it's time once again for Bunny Versus. And now here is your
0: host, Bunny Williams! Take it away, Bunny! Well, I'm just jumping straight to it. How are you, my friend, my brother? A a A person who holds a special place in my heart. Because, frankly, today, you look a little blue.
1: Thank you. That was so, I, I thought that was very cute, I just want to say. <laughs> I thought that that entire setup was very cute. Um... Uh, I'm sore as fuck, I'll tell you that. Yeah. I'm sore as hell. Super sore. Uh, I So... I've had an exciting, uh, week, I guess. Um, so, went to the movies a couple of times, hung out with my wife. My wife and I are doing very good, uh, lately. Surprisingly good. Uh, so, Pride Month is June june is pride yes
0: yeah
1: yeah so there was going to be a pride parade followed by the pride activities and we were all excited as a family to go to the pride parade and then it was canceled because of lightning and we were very upset i specifically was very upset because i had convinced myself that like hey sometimes i dress in uh women's clothes Sometimes I am a woman, and whenever the next Pride is, I'm going to go to it in a dress and be myself, and I, so they canceled the Pride Parade, and I was very upset, but then I, we learned that Pride, the parade was canceled, but there was still activities throughout the day, so we went, and I went in my best dress and my best leggings, and I had a fan, and I looked very pretty, I had a bow in my hair, and I was really proud of myself, and it was the first time that I was really out and about while dressed in a dress, and you know, not hiding myself or who I am, and, and I was really proud about all that. And then at the beginning of this week, uh, we learned that the Pride Parade hadn't been canceled It was rescheduled, and it was happening at the end of July, July 31st, Saturday, starting at 10. And I was like, oh, the parade is still happening. And then we learned that, uh, yeah, my wife's company that she works for, every year they take part in the parade. And so they asked us, if we would like to take part in the parade and we said yes and so yesterday we woke up crazy early and the whole family minus Emerald because Emerald is still off with uh, her boyfriend who is still you know um, dealing with the car accident that he was in there are two flies that are pissing me right the fuck off and I might have to get the bug zapper but that's beside the point so, yeah, I was I walked in a pride parade yesterday. The when, when I went to the pride activities, I was wearing sunglasses to cover up my eyes, and sometimes I had my face mask on because COVID, but also it covers up my facial, so I, I feel like I look more passing. But Bella told me something very important, that um, passing only matters to me if if I let it matter to me, I don't have to be passing. I don't have to be anything. I can just be who I want to be. And so um, yesterday I marched in a pride parade throughout downtown Oklahoma City in a dress, my regular glasses, no face mask, just myself walking down the streets of downtown Oklahoma City in a dress and uh it was the scariest moment of my life because I've never been out like that before. The night before we stayed up way too late dyeing my hair back to the blue that I wanted it to and um doing my nails and yeah. So I marched in a Pride Parade and it it, it 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 was the scariest thing in my life to have ever done to be that out and open of me in a dress and, and, um, stockings yeah. and a bow in my hair and, and, and not hiding my face in a way that I, like I did before, but me just being me and walking in a parade, it. It was the scariest thing in the world, and also exhausting. God, damn, that was a long-ass parade. And then we had to walk to the beginning of the parade, and then we had to walk through the parade and then walk back to where we parked, and it's like it, it felt like I had spent the day at Disneyland.
0: Really afterward. Yeah.
1: Exhausted, So exhausted, but it, it, I was really proud of myself because I was raised sort of in the closet and Uh, I went from, you know, parents forcing me to be ashamed of who I was to being myself walking in the pride parade, and I was really proud of that. And so, um, now I'm just exhausted. My wife and I have a channel on Twitch, and, (laughs) uh... Last weekend, we got really drunk, and we were twitching at, like, 1 a.m. And what? My wife has a twitch channel. Thank you. We don't have a twitch channel. My wife has a twitch channel. We ended up getting, like, 110 views on that channel. And we were going to do it again last night, but we were just so exhausted from the parade that we were... Mm-hmm. But... Um, I wanna thank my amazing wife, Natasha, because she is uh, very understanding and supportive, and my absolute best friend, and we've been married for what, 84 years? Oh fuck, I'm 16? Huh? Like in reality,
3: 16? Yeah.
1: 16 years. Together
3: for 18?
1: And um, me saying, hey, I'm pansexual and I'm gender fluid, and sometimes I will put on a dress and I will be a woman and I and sometimes but most of the time I will just be me but sometimes I'll, I'll, I will be a woman because I feel like a woman sometimes like there are wives that would take that much worse than my wife who is fucking understanding and amazing as fuck yes and makes a great mojito this is very good. This tastes just as good, if not better, than some sort of fucking thing I would buy at the Lincoln Show. This is great. This is really good. I'll need 50 more of these
3: Aww, by fucked. the time
1: I'm done with the podcast. You're fucked, then. Shit.
3: I have 50 more.
1: This cat is just meowing throughout the entire podcast, you know being very unprofessional, because it got out and then got muddy and now wants to go out, back out and play in the mud. What? No. Hold on, hold on. This cat is Miso.
4: Yes. Yes,
1: yes. okay. remembering cats' names. Yes. Okay, so uh, am I right about that? Miso got out and got well, muddy. No,
3: The only reason he got muddy was because Eleanor
1: brought him but now the cat out. wants Peck out.
3: Yeah, because he got He's, out. Yeah. This is why I wouldn't want him to ever go outside.
0: Hmm? Is the cat's last name Horny?
4: I
1: wish. But In no. In
3: Steve's head it is.
1: In my head it is. Yeah. <laughs> We've got three kittens now. Again. Again. We got rid of one of them. And then, as my wife says, the universe brought another one.
3: Yep. Because Steve and Eggdrop uh, had
1: don't turn a- off the podcast cat.
3: Steve and Eggdrop had a, a connection before we got rid of Eggdrop, and so we got rid of Eggdrop. And then the next weekend, here comes another kitten. Looks like Eggdrop, but it's a girl, and Steve even named her
1: Gazpacho soup.
3: Gazpacho soup. And I said Gaz for short, which yeah. is from.
1: Invaders. End. There you go. Gazpacho. I like gazpacho. That's a great name. And
3: she thinks that Steve is her mama. Yeah. One hundred
1: percent. The cat, the kitten, thinks that I'm its mom.
3: So that's been my week. Uh,
1: what, what time is it? Three forty-seven. What the fuck is that? Huh? Midwest time. Oh, Jane. Oh, it's probably Jane's phone. Yeah. So 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 that's been my week. It's been it. It was one of the most frightening times of my life to just be myself. When I have been taught by my parents and my upbringing to not be myself. Yes. My wife has been helping me with that. Uh, one thing that I was taught being like a Latino is I was taught, and I think a lot of my minorities have this same thing happen to them you are taught subconsciously or consciously to minimize yourself for other people. That, hey, we're at the store. Oh, watch out, Steve, because other people are coming. You need to watch out. Be on the side here. Make sure people can get past you. You don't wanna be in front of them. You don't wanna get in other people's way. And that's something that minorities are, are taught that you have to watch out for everyone else and minimize yourself for other people and the thing is is that a lot of fucking white people are not fucking taught this shit (laughs) no no and i learned that going to like
3: white women there's there's either the white woman who acts like the white man and won't give up the space like because she's a karen or there's the white women who have been taught this subconsciously to minimize themselves because it's only white males that will get upset or not move or people with that mentality which is like what I call the white male mentality if you stand your ground you don't move don't even cower don't flinch nothing they will either run into you or they will shuffle like they'll fucking panic because they don't they're not used to it they're used to everybody moving out of their way
1: yeah Uh, a lot of times you'll be like like I'll be at a parking lot and I'll be you know, driving. And suddenly someone will just cross the street, just not even look, just won't even stop. It.
3: Yeah. And it's
1: like, oh yeah, this this is a white person who has been taught that, who has never been taught to minimize themselves. For anybody else. For anyone else. They
3: are the, they're the only people allowed to take up space.
1: Yeah, so, so like yesterday, we went to that weirdo store an occasional sale, which is only open like two days every month.
3: Mm, yeah.
1: Something like that. Yeah. And there were three bins in the back of comic books, and they were like 25 cents each. And I'm flipping through all of the comic books. Suddenly some old white guy shows up and is right behind me, and I'm assuming that, like, he wanted me to move. And I was taught to, oh, get out of this guy's way. He wants the comics. But with your training, I'm like, no, I am looking at the comic books. I'm not going to move for this angry old white guy who's behind me. And that was the hardest fucking thing for me to do because he was just there and staring at me and expecting me, the Latino, Native American, whatever that I am, I'm basically Gonzo the Great of minorities, because no one knows what I am. I'm a whatever. <laughs> like, gonzo. Like, this old white guy expected the whatever to move for him so he could look at the comic books, but I just fucking stayed there. Eventually, the guy's wife showed up and was looking at me, too, and I guess the both of them were astonished that a minority wasn't cowering away from them, and even the, the, the wife said, Oh, you must be a comic book fan, huh? which i guess was her karen way of saying fucking move and i was like i guess and just stayed there flipping through comic books for like a good minute until they finally left
3: good job i'm proud of you You're and that was
1: really a- difficult You're for me to
3: take up space yeah, I was not to taught that in this
1: world. I was not taught that. I was taught. No, to... that's the
3: problem. Too many people in this world are not taught that they're allowed to exist and, and take space up in this world. And people who take up space take up too much of it and then impose their narrative on everybody else and expect everybody else to give them that space freely without any fight. Yeah.
1: yeah. So it's been a it's been a real weekend of activity. A lot of learning. A lot of growing. A lot of growing. And not just my penis, but also my heart. Yes. So so that's been me. Uh, how are you doing, Bunny?
0: Uh... I... You know, the days merge into each other. So how was I yeah. last week? I'm, I, I think I'm like that.
4: <laughs> I,
1: I feel that. I really feel that. I was going to say that uh, this week's movie, Battlefield Earth, really killed Barry Pepper's career, but I think you have to have a career first for it to be killed. Yes. And that's a burn on Barry Pepper.
0: Wh- wh- which one was he? Was he the lead?
2: Johnny Good Boy. Johnny. <laughs> That's his name. Good Boy.
1: It's an hour into the film before you finally learn what the lead character's name is.
3: Also.
0: And when you do, uh, it's
2: stupid.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean. If to...
2: Yeah. Johnny Good Boy. The
1: good old boys. Yeah. I had some WWE news, but I'm going to bump it to next week.
0: It seems like there's been a lot going on there lately. I haven't actually read any of it, but I've been hearing little snippets.
1: WWE is firing everyone right now. Yeah. They're, They're firing people left and right, and a lot of people are like, This is my own theory as to why this is happening. Oh my God, WWE has fired even more people? I can't believe why they would fire so many people. Why are they firing people? I guess we'll never know. Oh, look who's back. It's now Hollywood superstars, John Cena and The Rock. (laughs) Who are now massive superstars. Yeah. Gee, I wonder why they're firing so many people. They say it's budget cuts, but why would they need so much money? I don't know. Anyway, look who's back. It's the star of the Suicide Squad, John Cena. And who's that at SummerSlam? The Rock, the star of every movie in existence. Gee, I wonder why they're firing so many people at at my wrestling show. Well, fucking you know? <laughs> It's right there.
4: <clears throat>
0: so I just don't Stop have it. much to report this week. I thought of a couple of things to say for for Bunny Versus, but I forgot both of them. So what, what kind of a shap are we looking at?
1: We're going to be talking about the history of trains and an ironic organization that was made as a joke and how it indirectly led to the civil rights movement of the 1960s.
0: Okay. And Babe Ruth is
1: in it. And Babe Ruth is in it. It's going to be a weird one. But I'm really happy with it.
0: Nice. Sounds interesting. Let's get on over there in that case. So, we're... All right. The Bunny versus Short. And this is Bunny Williams asking the eternal question. Self-adhesive tape? Yes, please. Love that. And cut on that.
2: And cut, cut on that.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Cat, I am serious. Stop it. You're not getting a spinoff. If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays It's sweeping the nation? Because we're the janitor of podcasts. But only... Seriously, Kat, you scared the crap out of me. But only real fans, true hardcore fans, who have been, been with us since the beginning, since episode one, would know... The two main facts about the both of us, two undeniably really real and in no way made up on the spot, because we would never do that. No. 100% true facts about the both of us, America's hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, Bunny, is the fact that when you're not doing the podcast, you are, in fact, a celebrated marine biologist, Uh, won so many awards, many accolades. So tell us, Bunny, what have you been studying lately?
0: I have been studying saltwater aquariums. (laughs) Saltwater aquariums. Uh, I have taken a a, a deep dive into small tanks. Uh, I, I have been exploring the uncharted territory. Do you realize there's a creature in there? There's a creature. He goes like this. And bubbles come out of everywhere. It is mm. truly, truly amazing. On one outing, uh, going through the 55-gallon tank, our crew came upon a treasure chest. A treasure chest. Just... Uh, mm. it, it, it was all stuck together but it looked like Spanish doubloons and things like that and guess what mm-hmm. more bubbles coming out hmm. of me. what so now That's we're trying crazy. to figure out the link between the treasure chest and the creature because now, hopefully it, we'll because be able to get, it get to it the of bubbles in common and they both bubble yeah. more than any of the actual fish do.
4: Hmm. Hmm.
0: Which leads me to think that they are both somehow more alive than the fish. Ah, uh, gotcha. Gotcha. You know, Start
2: so, bait! Ooh-ha-ha! So, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get to the bun of this.
1: figure this out. Okay. So and that's the second what fact we are going to be know exploring from there. Yeah. I would love to be a, a marine biologist, but the problem that I have is uh, water. It's so wet. When are we going to invent some dry water? You know? We need to get the scientists working on this. We need to get the scientists working on the dry water technology. And another thing. Why does snow have to be cold? yeah true. huh? I
0: don't know man. get
1: with it science.
0: Ever, ever since ever since I heard of it as an actual career, I have always wanted to be an exobiologist. Biologists Ooh. who study life on other planets.
2: That's
4: that's I think
0: that's got to be the greatest fucking scam going, and I totally yeah. want in, Doctor. Yeah. Could this be an alien? Yeah, I guess so.
1: <laughs> sure, fun fact, everybody on Twitch and everywhere, SoundCloud, um, uh, Stitcher, <laughs> um, uh, Bunny. Lives in the state of Colorado. He used to live in New York, New Jersey, somewhere, but he moved to Colorado because he wanted to be closer to the location of his favorite film, Battlefield Earth. Yes. Bunny is such a Battlefield Earthophile, and he's like, Well, this movie was set in Denver. I need to move to Colorado. That is yeah. a fact, undeniable fact. Look at the graphic there. It says historical approximations. So, there you go. So the, much so, I
0: will, just... not, I will not let John Travolta have sex with me unless he's wearing the Cylon get up, the outfit. Yeah. Cyclone. I don't like John Travolta. Sorry, Cylons are the other guys. I,
2: yeah.
1: I don't like John Travolta. Um... Uh, let me tell you why. No, you know what? Instead, I'm telling you why I don't like John Travolta. I'd like to talk about a completely different subject. Like one of my favorite films, Kids in the Hall Brain Candy. There's just a great line in there that I love. I'm gonna say it to you now. You are gay. You are gay. You are a homosexual. (laughs) The opposite of straight, you're gay. I know it, your family knows it. Dogs know it. Everyone seems to know it except you! Oh, what a great movie, Kids in the Hall Brain Candy. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, John Travolta. Don't like the guy. Don't like the guy. Think he might be hiding something. What? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Nothing that I'll say here. But that line in Kids in the Hall Brain Candy. Funny line. Funny film. Anyway, uh, the second fact. That you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history, I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So, what I like to do is at this part in the story, at this part in the uh, podcast, I like to get a story from the history books, maybe one that you don't know that well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling panache. <coughs> and that's what this is educationally uneducational uh, installment of Steve's Historic Approximations.
2: Dun, dun.
1: Or Shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name Shap. It's short, but it's full of life. It's the Mickey Rooney of podcast segments. Fun fact, Mickey Rooney died at age 306. Are we Uh, sure he's dead yet? We're baffled. Pretty sure he's not. Pretty sure he's not. Pretty sure he's just, he's a, a robot at this point. Anywho, this week on the Old chapity Shap Shap, we will be discussing a bizarre story about trains, irony, and people named George.
4: Oh, okay. I would like to repeat that the
1: second time for emphasis. Trains, irony and people named George. It's also the story of the first labor organization led by black people to officially become a part of the American Federation of Labor. It is a strange, bizarre story that has been lost to the sands of time. Babe Ruth is a part of it. Martin Luther King is a part of it? It's a weird story, so let's do this. <coughs> so, there are trains. You know trains, right? They're the chugga-chugga-choo-choo things. So trains had porters. And a porter's job is to attend to the passengers of a sleeping car to assist the passengers' needs to handle the loading and the unloading and to generally be there when anyone needs them. And in the early 1900s, most people were traveling by train and by sleeping trains. And so a lot of people became used to dealing with porters. Porters were everywhere to attend to your every need. And since it's like 1910, we're talking about here, it should come to no surprise that the porters who worked America's trains were almost all black And, uh, yeah, this is America we're talking about, so I don't need to say this, but I'm going to anyway. Yeah, they were treated like fucking shit. Yeah. They were treated horribly, not treated good. Most of them were ex-slaves... Whom the white railroad barons expected to basically act like their own personal train slaves. Let me tell you about a porter's job. They worked over 73 hours a week, a week. Think about that. And they earned only 27 cents an hour. And they also had to pay for their own food, for their own lodging, for their own uniforms, and that alone. The food and the lodging and the uniforms, that would usually add up to about half of their pay. And if if a train passenger, some white dude in 1910, 1915, uh, stole a towel, took a plate, broke a lamp, yeah, the porters would be charged for that. That would come out of the porter's paycheck, and they could never get a promotion. If you were a porter, even if you were the world's greatest porter in the history of American portering, um, you could never get a promotion because the next position up was a conductor, and only white people could be a conductor, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, being a porter was absolute shit. It was fucking horrible but also it's like the 1900s and so no one paid attention no one gave a shit so in 1914 there's a lumber baron real rich guy his name is george delaney okay super rich made all of his money in lumber super rich guy he would start a joke organization, a fake, ironic organization that would accidentally, inevitably, indirectly lead to better conditions for reporters and then later to uh, helping Martin Luther King in the Civil Rights Movement. So this lumber baron, whose name was George, George Delaney, He's riding on a Pullman Company train, and he notices that, like, Hey, Porter. Come here, Porter. You've you've helped me really good, Porter, and I thank you. What's your name? Oh, my name is George, sir. And he's like, Huh, your name is George? Interesting. My name is George. Well, uh, pleased to meet you, George. I'm George. We're both Georges. There you go. So then, uh... George goes on another train. He's a lumber baron, very busy going from place to place. He goes on another train. And he's like, "Uh, hey, uh, George, you really, you really, uh, hey, hey, uh, Porter, you really helped me out. I want to thank you. What's your name? My name is George. It's like, your name is George? Huh. The last train I was on. The porter's name was also George. That's weird. And sure enough, the next train that George Delaney was on, it's like, Porter, come here. This is going to sound weird, but is your name George? Why, yes, it is. And it's like, wow, your name is George? So many train porters are named George. This is really weird. And and as George Chudlani travels by train, he notices that so many porters were named George that even when the porter was not named George, people would call all of the porters George. That's how many porters were named George that white people were just like, I need to get the porter's attention. George. George, come here, George. I need you to help me. And so even when the Porters were not named George, people were calling Porters George. And that deeply upset George Delaney. To be clear, this was started for racist reasons, okay? Dude's like, hey, I'm a super rich lumber baron. Look at my monocle, my, my top hat, my cane. I'm super rich. And yet, when people see my name, you, you mean to tell me they're going to think I'm some poor black porter on a train? Hell no! <laughs> this has to change, and I'm going to be the one to change it. And so, in 1914, lumber baron George W. Delaney starts an organization, a joke organization, called the SPCSCPG. I know you remember that 100% with your photographic memory, Bunny, but just in case, I'm going to say it again. The SPCSCPG, which stood for the Society for the Prevention of Calling Sleeping Car Porters George, because to George W. Delaney, this was the crime.
4: that so many porters were named George.
1: I can't share my name with these poor black guys on trains. And here's the thing. If you wanted to join the SPCSCPG, here's the cute part. Only Georges could join.
4: Okay.
1: I want to join the SPCSCPG. What's your name, Frank Sinatra? I don't care that you're super famous. You're not George Sinatra. Get the hell out of here right now.
4: <laughs> What's your name?
1: What's your name? Oh, my name is George Smith. Oh, pleased to meet you. Come right on in. Here's your SPC SCPG card.
0: Well, you know what that tells me, though. This organization, hmm. obviously, backed by George Soros.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Those damn lefties always taking, always taking everything. Yeah. He's just, so George, Delaney started the organization as a joke, and as a way to preserve the dignity of all of its white members, of course. Because if you're talking 1910, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. Uh, it's probably racist. Yes. It's a good rule of thumb, for this time. But this joke organization surprisingly took the fuck off. Uh, It became very popular. At its peak the SPC SCPG had 31 thousand card carrying members across the globe. Okay. Including, but not limited to King George the 5th President pro-tem of the Senate, Walter F. George, and, this is true, baseball legend, Babe Ruth, whose real first name was George.
4: (laughs)
3: Okay.
1: Thank you, thank you. My name is Babe Ruth. They call me the Babe, the living legend, the Bambino. I'm the greatest baseball player of all time. Yeah, I'd love to sign your autograph. But first, let me tell you about a real problem. You know all these porters? They're named George. This yeah. has to stop. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: And yes, <laughs> Okay, the S-P-C-S-C-P-G was created because a bunch of uh, white people were butthurt, but the group did succeed. It became so popular that, oh, did you hear about this? The S- S-P-C-S-C-P-G? Uh, yeah, they're trying to, to, to get people to stop calling all the porters George. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Isn't that a weird, funny little quirk? Anyway, why are all the porters named George? What do they do? Where do what is their job? How much do they get paid? So this ironic organization did succeed in shining a light on the nation's porters. And yes, as it turned out, so many porters were named George because trains were a thing. The civil war happened suddenly all of these slaves are freed and they are looking for a job trains were super popular and so it was a common occurrence for freed slaves to get jobs on trains as porters and um, it was custom during the slave trade that slaves were named after their masters? And who was the main person with these sleeping train cars going all throughout America back then? Railroad Baron George Pullman. Yeah. And so yeah, because it was custom that slaves were named after their masters, the railroad, the train porters were mostly named George because of slavery. So there's a spotlight, and people are realizing that, like, yeah, uh, this is bad. This is really bad. They're treated like crap, and uh, maybe they all shouldn't be named George. Maybe they should be treated a little bit better. So suddenly there's a spotlight on the train porters in America, and, uh, So, the porters met and tried to unionize a couple of times, actually. But you gotta realize, this is like the 1910s and the 1920s, so America has a pattern. Oh, uh, uh, these porters want to unionize. Okay, well, we'll send a couple of spies in there, find out their meaning, and then when they are getting ready to finally vote on whether or not there's going to be a union, we're gonna send people over there with bats to beat the shit out of them, maybe kill some of them, and... Uh, make sure that they're too scared to ever unionize again. And this happens a couple of times. And the black people are trying to unionize. The train baron spies would find out. They would send angry, violent white men to beat the crap out of the unionizers. Finally, on August 25th, 1925, the porters have had enough and they meet in Harlem and they find they founded the BSCP, also known as the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters. Their motto was fight or be slaves. And FYI, this is the shit that white educators decided that you didn't need to learn growing up. Yes. How fucked up is that? That educators are like, oh, this is about uh, what, black people uniting. Oh, kids don't need to learn about that. You know what they do need to learn about? About how Thanksgiving is all about how Americans were real nice to Native Americans and nothing bad ever happened. Yes. Did we share land? Yes. But so let me teach you about something really important manifest destiny we're not stealing the land from native americans is that it's that god wanted us to have it yeah yeah and that's what this all was anywho the 18,000 members of the brotherhood of sleeping car porters was so powerful that they were able to get better working conditions and a higher raise, and they ended up becoming the first ever labor organization created and led exclusively by African Americans to officially receive an official charter in the American Federation of Labor. And here's the amazing part. Here are all of these uh, black men who are leading this organization, and they fought to make sure that black sleeping car porters got better wages and better health, and they helped black people get a fair share in the train world but then it's the 1940s the 1950s the 1960s less and less people are riding trains so the leaders who ran the brotherhood of sleeping car porters all of them would become prominent leaders in the civil rights movement Because okay, we have already spent the last couple of decades trying to get a fair share for people. Now that uh people aren't riding trains, what are we going to do? Oh, we we can go over here and help Martin Luther King and help Malcolm X and be a voice in the community and help all black people get a fair share, and not just uh sleeping car porters. And so this is the story of of an ironic organization and a very real organization that helped end segregation and fought for fair employment for black people. And I know I usually say this at the end of SHAP, but like, goddamn, I can't believe that more people don't know this story. And that's sad, because I feel that this is an important story in African-American history, which of course is not being taught in schools, because instead we're being taught about uh, the Nina and the Pinta and Santa Maria. It's it, it, uh, America is all fucked up, is what I'm saying. But I'm surprised that more people don't know this story. Uh, the the SPCSCPG, the Society for the Prevention of Calling Sleeping Car Porters George. I find this to be a fascinating story.
0: This is Utterly a fascinating, fascinating story. Did you get a chance to look at? The Toronto Circus Riots of
2: 1855. No. Not at all. Mm-hmm.
4: Oh, oh.
1: I,
0: I, I sent you a message about it.
1: Oh, okay. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. It's on my list. The Toronto Clown Riots of 1855. Yes. Oh, my God, this is frightening. Okay, yeah. Um, (laughs) It's on my list of shafts that I hope to eventually do, which is growing bigger and bigger by the second, but that's beside the point.
0: Well, you see now, Um, I, I I can only handle stories like this In shaft form, so like I cruised the story, got the highlights, and I was like, I know where this has to go. Yeah, and 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 dropped it from there because it's it's not a shaft. I don't want to know any more about it until it is.
1: I love that. I love that very much, Bunny. I appreciate that, too. I appreciate that. Anywho, next week, be sure and join us for more educational uneducational fun with Steve's Historic
4: Approximations!
1: And cut on that.
2: Um, where are we? Yes.
4: Bonnie!
0: Yes!
2: First off, I need more, um, Mimosa. Secondly,
1: we still have a movie to get to. Oh my goodness! We need to talk about so much. We need to talk about Andrew L. Robert, who um, made the film happen, which also. Um, ...was investigated by the FBI. We need to talk about Highlander Endgame. We need to talk about my dad. Okay. There's so much we need to talk about. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? Should we not? I'm torn, Georgie. This is drama.
0: <laughs> we should take a break. Bunny, are you there?
1: <coughs> okay. I concur. We will be right back with more of the Popon film after this. do 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 do
0: Hey baby, my name's Ted the Stud. Ted
5: the Stud.
0: Yeah, um, it's really Ted the Stud, but
2: uh, that don't rhyme.
5: I wanted someone who is financially stable. Oh, okay. Are you ready to go?
0: Oh, uh, hey, are you gonna pay for this? Because
2: I spent my last five bucks on some lottery tickets and some forty ounces. Never mind, I got some Chef R D in the car. Be right back.
5: I wanted somebody who was sweet. Oh. They're beautiful. Yeah.
2: Amazing what you find when your neighbors don't lock the car door. <laughs> you need a Bible?
5: <laughs> I wanted a person who was family minded. So do you have any kids?
2: Yeah I'm, I'm sure somewhere. Hey, who is that there that there picture of you?
5: That's my sister.
2: You. How about later on you, me, and her get together in the bedroom?
5: I wanted someone adventurous.
2: Uh, are you expecting
4: somebody? No.
2: Look, uh, if it's the cops, I'm not here.
5: You're wanted by the cops?
2: Yeah, look, it's a little bit of a misunderstanding. See, I I didn't know she was 15. I I thought she was 12.
5: (laughs) I wanted someone to call me unexpectedly and tell me they needed me. Hello? Hey, baby. Ted, it's 3 o'clock in the morning.
2: I don't know, baby, but I need you real bad. The cops got me. <laughs> I need bail money like now.
5: It cost me 20 minutes of my time to fill out the questionnaire $700 to join, one bad date, 20 calls a night for two weeks, and another $200 to file a restraining order. Thanks a lot, Loverstate.com.
0: LoverState.com. we just promised you a date. This room, this room
5: is perfect. The the aura in here, man. Oh, just, mm, it's so good. This is a great, great room.
0: Yeah, I mean, this room is exactly like the one downstairs. I mean, you can do whatever you want. A shrine
5: right there on the wall. Yes, a shrine with incense. Yes, can you smell the incense everywhere? Yes.
0: And my Chopra poster was he in kind of Star Trek?
5: And my sign! My sign, right there. Oh, yes, my sign. Well, we'll
0: have to move the TV.
5: Yes! Throw it out! Oh, yes! Get rid of it all together! TV, man. Well, you, homes.
0: you don't need a TV downstairs if you don't want it. No,
5: no. that TV! Yes.
0: That TV? No. That one. Wait, wait, are you talking That's... about moving in here?
5: Well, yeah, man.
2: No,
0: no, 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 no. you guys can't
2: move in here. Uh,
5: well,
4: why not? Oh. It's... Sh- oh. oh. mm. I, I...
3: I sleep a the here. Oh. Me too, man. <laughs> nice move. move. It's the sun. I see it's the moon. I know
0: it's the sun. Now. By my mother's son, and that's myself. It shall be moon or star or anything I list. ere we journey back to your father's.
5: Go on, get the board. There's seriously
4: something wrong you. I like to use a cat box, cat box, inside the house on a sweaty day.
5: If I'm outside, I'm going to use a sandbox, sandbox, where the children play.
4: Got to do when you clean the box and make it fresh. That's when nature calls me. I'm talking about number two. I'm leaving my mark on the matriarch. It's a work of art, super stinky
5: too. I don't got no idea why it gets me all so much. I love using the sandbox.
2: 20 million records round the world. His name is Sam Fear. Master of the Pan Flute. That magical instrument with the unforgettable sound. Now in his magnificent, all-new collection. Sam Fear plays the world's most beautiful melody. Treasury. But remember, this magnificent collection is not sold in stores. Please stay tuned to order.
3: Use your credit card and save COD charges by calling toll-free 1-800-421-2000. Or, to save all additional charges, send check or money order for only $12.98 for two albums or two cassettes or 19 for two compact discs to Zomphir, P.O. Box 8449, Atlanta, Georgia. Remember, that's Zomphir, P.O. Box 8449, Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Be like water and come back next week or I'll kick your ass.
2: Tchou!
4: É...
0: technology could only put up a measly nine-minute fight, which is why man is an endangered species.
4: There's nothing that will help you.
2: Once we finish mining out this miserable planet, let's do the universe a favor. Let's exterminate a lot of them. If we don't take back our planet, the last of humanity becomes extinct.
0: More of the Pope on Film. Nice. Act three, money. Act three. Act three.
1: <clears throat> yes, money, my friend. It is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film podcast, America's best film podcast, according to JD Power and Associates. Not sure how we landed that amazing guest. I saw a commercial for Verizon, and they're like, "Uh, Verizon, America's most dependable phone company, as voted on by J.D. Power & Associates. And it's like, aren't you the fucking car guys? (laughs) Now you just did cars so now apparently anything can be voted on i have the most bluest hair according to jd power and associates yes so there you go i'm the best hair of a man my age according to jd power
2: and associates
1: um it's time for this podcast to drunkenly stumble upon our third and final act and because it is said third act Because it is said third act, wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our high-fiber, low-fat, no-artificial additives or preservatives movie of the week, and it's time once again for us to piss off the Scientologists watching with a look at the 2000 box office bomb to end all bombs. No, we're not talking about the Oogie Loves. It's Battlefield Earth number 20... In the IMDb list of the 100 worst movies of all time, uh, wow, what can I say? Uh, words cannot express how amazing this film was. It was a roller coaster from start to finish. Uh, move over, Star Wars.
0: I, I'm, just, just, I'm just glad that we have an opportunity to piss off Scientologists <laughs> again. It has been a while. I think it's been since the David Miscavige training video that we found and reviewed.
2: Yeah. It's been a
1: while since we pissed off some Scientologists, so let's really get to the nitty-gritty dirt band of this. Uh, First off, I want to say, this film came out in the year 2000, and it says something that, in its own twisted way... This film is still remembered because a lot of incredible, unforgettable films also were released that year. Highlander, Endgame, Get Carter, Dracula 2000, um, Dungeons and Dragons, Little Nicky, the live-action Rocky and Bullwinkle, Uh, and who could forget Road Trip, which finally gave Tom Green the Oscar nomination he had been chasing since his amazing work in Freddy Got Fingered.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: but of all of these films, Battlefield Earth, which in my podcast notes I have uh, shortened to BFE, which I think is, is a much better name than saying Battlefield Earth. Yeah. BFE, you know? It, it, it gives the film some panache. Yes. Yes. So it says something that, of all the horrible movies that came out in the year two thousand, Battlefield Earth is remembered as one of the worst.
0: Now, before before we really, but at least, but compared to, to the it, rest of the movies we've been covering, at least you can get a couple of yucks out of this movie.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And we'll get to that, but before we talk about our true feelings regarding Battlefield Earth, I wanted to do a little list, because I was reading reviews, and some of them hurt in a very familiar way, so I have made a list. Reviews of Battlefield Earth that could also be my dad talking to someone about me. (laughs) Yes. These are all actual reviews of Battlefield Earth that could absolutely 100% also be my father talking to someone about me. So I'm really, really happy to do this. So here's the list. Appalling. A journey into the heart of rubbish. (laughs) I feel like maybe my dad might be able to break that one out. Uh a disaster everything is preposterous this is all um, tracking so far with what i know about my dad there are many things to make fun of here logic is in short supply incoherent not awful but pretty bad and here's my favorite one i'm pretty sure my dad has said this about me before from every angle, this has been an ill-conceived project. Pretty sure my dad has said that to my mom. <laughs> about me. So, so there you go. My dad and I aren't really on speaking terms, so... So there's that. There are two reviews that I want to talk about in particular. Number 1, Roger Ebert, when he was alive, his reviews of good movies were just okay, but his remo- his review of bad movies, if I could speak a little Italian here, they were great. The 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 this was the Italian part. The yes. hand gesture that I did, the That was the Italian. Italian is like 50% hand
0: gestures. Italians tend not to use as much tongue.
2: Yeah,
4: that's a good point.
2: Yeah.
1: So, uh, Roger Ebert started his review as such, and I quote... Battlefield Earth is like taking a bus trip with someone who has needed a bath for a long time. It's not merely bad, it's unpleasant in a hostile way. The visuals are grubby and drab, the characters are unkempt and have rotten teeth. Breathing tubes hang from their noses like ropes of snot. The soundtrack sounds like the boom mic is being slammed against the inside of a 55 gallon drum. The plot, but let me catch my breath. This movie is off, awful in so many different ways. I love that review. That really sums up Battlefield Earth well. And I was reading a lot of reviews, but I found one that warms my heart, Bunny. Yes. Brings a tear to my Mexican eye. The review is from Metroactive Movies, and it says... The easy comparisons between Battlefield Earth and Plan 9 from Outer Space have been made by everyone from A.O. Scott of the New York Times to Mr. Cranky at www.mrcranky.com. But these comparisons are unfair. Unfair to Ed Wood! Plan 9, at least, was a protest against nuclear proliferation. What the hell is Battlefield Earth about? Is it supposed to be a tribute to man's ingenuity? If so, why is it so shoddily built? Mm. And for that, you get a round of applause, sir. Because yes. I read a lot of reviews that said, "Oh, Plan Nine from Outer Space for for a newer generation," but oh no, fuck you, fuck you for all of that. Yes, fucker. You mean to tell me Barry Pepper isn't even near the title of the movie?
0: But George I mean, Volta's, yeah. it's. Based on an L. Ron Hubbard book, so exactly what were people expecting?
1: That's a good point. That's a good point. It's like before Cats came out, and I was really excited because at being a theater person way back in the day, I was excited that all of the planet would know what theater people have always known, which is that the musical Cats is a muddled piece of shit. <laughs> the musical Cats is the wet cat of musicals. <laughs> and so, yeah, what were you expecting with a movie based on an L. Ron Hubbard book? Were you expecting fucking good from this shit? I mean, goddamn. So funny. Um, as I said earlier, in the podcast um, if anyone is new to this podcast let me tell you a fact um, Bunny actually moved to Colorado because he's such a big fan of the movie Battlefield Earth that he wanted to be closer to the setting of the film yes so I'm pretty sure I, I. they should have added a scene where uh, I think we found some gold it's here in a, in a tunnel Wait a second, this is fake gold. What is this? Pan back. It's the ruined remains of Casa Bonita. <laughs> and they were actually... They thought they had found gold, but it was just a Black Bart's cave. Yes. And scene right there. That's the end of the film. Just major ending. So, um... Here's the thing. Um... I'm gonna give this movie a, a better review than it deserves. I'm not saying this is a good movie.
2: This is a bad movie. Did you let you know a cat out? Okay,
1: good. Huh? Just move it. The middle is normal. The one side is hot, one side is cold. You can do it. I believe in you. I believe in you, Jaden. So, um, I'm not saying the movie is good. The movie is bad. What I'm saying is I had fun watching this horrible movie, and it's the first time this summer Yeah. that, I've, that we've watched one of these bad movies from the IMDb Bottom 100 where I can laugh
0: at it. Yes, and have a bit of fun with.
1: Yeah, Man was just fucking boring. That was barely a movie. What else did we do? Um, Castaway was an affront to humanity. What was it? Swept away. Swept away. Not, not Castaway. Sorry that I said that, Wilson. You're still my best friend. But what other movies did we see this summer? I'm even having a hard time paying attention. Dungeons and Dragons?
0: But this See, now, movie is I, I one of the good, bad movies. <laughs> I yeah. I, I haven't read the book, but with John Travolta being so behind this movie, I have to assume that it's a fairly re- a fairly accurate representation of the book. So we okay. got to start right there where the plot is just fucking stupid.
2: Okay.
1: I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, I've got popcorn stuck in my tongue. Okay. So, the first screenwriter for this movie was a guy named J.D. Shapiro. He actually wrote the script for Robin Hood Men in Tights.
0: Okay. Oh.
1: He didn't like organized religion, and he certainly didn't like Scientology, but he started hanging out around the Scientology headquarters in Hollywood because he heard it was a good place to pick up actor
2: chicks.
4: Yeah.
1: So He would hang out by Scientology, and one day someone just said, like, hey, you're a screenwriter? Um, we're looking for a screenwriter to write the battlefield Earth. Movie, and he didn't want to do it, and everyone told him not to do it because, oh, these Scientologists, it's crazy, it's a cult. And he's like, yeah, but I'll do it. And he's meeting with John Travolta, and oh, you've got to write the script, you've got to write the script. And so when he wrote the script, he wasn't so beholden to the novel. He read the novel, and he's like, okay, this is a good okay, start. Okay, wait, point. wait, wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. I think we went over a point here way too hmm. fast. Okay? okay? So, basically, what you're telling me here is that the screenwriter for Battlefield Earth also is the screenwriter modern, that the Scientologist just found in the street one day and hired.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: yes, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: He was just hanging around and they just picked him and said, "Hey, you're a screenwriter, come and write this." But I haven't gotten to the to the main thing. So, point. if they met he a screenwriter me.
0: in a 7-Eleven, might have been a whole different movie.
1: Yes, but here's the thing. Notice I said first screenwriter. That's yeah. an important caveat to the story because he he read the book and said, "Okay, this is a good starting off point, but a lot of this is cheesy, and a lot of this is weird, and none of, no one will find this believable, even for a uh, science fiction story. So I will use this as a basis and come up with another a story like it, one that's grittier and darker and have a more serious tone and stray from the book. And he wrote a good script. And so they took his script, and they were going to go ahead with it, but eventually John Travolta and Scientology went, okay, this script, it needs to be more like L. Ron Hubbard's book. It needs to be more like Scientology. So they hired a bunch of other screenwriters to get his, what could have been a decent script, and turned that into the crap that we saw. But... Uh, J.D. Shapiro's name was still stuck to that movie and he said I gotta get this name off, I gotta get this name off and they said no, we're gonna put a screenplay by J.D. Shapiro and other people but your name is gonna be right there up on the top and he was really ashamed of that for the longest time he even openly apologized for having his name attached to this film but he had a really good uh, um, like a you know, he, 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 had a, he was a jovial spirit, and he accepted his Razzie personally. Yeah. He was there to accept the Razzie for, like, um, worst film of the decade, I think. And he was there, and, he, and he, he has a perverse pride of it now because it's like, hey, at least you were able to say that you wrote a screenplay that was the best at something and this movie just happened to be the best at being the worst but there's still a perverse pride in saying hey, you were the best somewhere yeah you know And so, so yeah so he wrote a decent script that was fucked up by the actual Scientologists. that was a story that I learned in my research but I gotta say the film was stupid and dumb but oh man um, it was so bad it was hilarious John Travolta looks like he's having fun he has the Daryl Cornelius Grouch Third. he was the Kelsey Grammer in Money Plane of Battlefielder
0: oh god he was he was chewing up the scenery a lot but he also seemed like he was doing an impersonation of somebody and I can't think of who that somebody is
1: uh, I see it as being, he was Alien Snidely Whiplash.
3: Yeah, how I Yeah,
1: it's that his character
0: should have also had a top
1: hat and a twirly mustache that he could twirl around while he was saying his,
2: uh, soliloquies.
0: Yeah, but now, John Travolta is the big bad guy of this movie, Okay. But if we think about this, he's said he's sent to Earth. You know, that's like being stationed on Tatooine. You know? You are not important if you get sent to Earth, even in a command position. You know? Yeah. And so, He's responsible so the bad for his is- whole planet being destroyed? I mean, John Travolta is basically the assistant manager you worked with who took the idea of being a, an assistant manager way fucking too seriously. Yeah. That's John Travolta's character. He's a step oh, above so the stock that- boy.
1: So you're saying... <laughs> You're saying basically that Battlefield Earth is the office in space, and John Travolta was the Dwight Schrute. Is that what you're saying? Basically,
0: yes. Yeah. Okay. Dwight Schrute in space, and that yeah. leads to his home world being destroyed.
1: That sounds like a that's real Don Knox energy.
4: Yeah.
1: That's a real don and move of the head, Cyclon, Cy- Cyclone? I wrote it down somewhere, like, but also I don't want to like look for it.
0: Nobody back home on Cyclo ever saw this coming. <laughs> yeah.
2: The
1: movie should have ended with the music from the end credits of Curb Your Enthusiasm.
0: A middle... Doo-doo-doo. That's that's how the film should have ended. A middle management suck-up fucks up his job so bad, he got his planet destroyed. Yeah,
1: basically, yeah. Do you, do you think you could uh, tackle the plot for us, Bunny?
0: Uh, not terribly sure. Uh... There is a pack of caveman-esque humans who don't know that their world has been invaded by aliens. Like, this is fucking news to them. Yeah, they think Uh, it's a demon. Huh? Yeah. They think
1: that it's, like, demons.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and our hero gets captured by one of them and brought back to their camp and there's a planet in the ape su ape scene where they're eating mush and they get into a fight and yeah. he became he becomes the chief ape uh, Lot of lot of grunting, lot of loincloths. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, there's no, there's no story in this portion because he was just taken as they would take any of them. No, no big deal. Uh, John Travolta comes up with a scheme that if he treat, if he teaches the human animals which I thought was a funny way of putting it very much so uh, because why human animals why are you calling them man animals you know do, you, do, yeah. you, do you, uh, are you calling it dog dog or you know it's yeah. not making sense Call him, call him humans, oh, call him man? man. Huh? But okay. anyway. Yeah. But anyway. So he decides he's going to take a bunch of them, he's going to teach them how to mine gold, and he's not going to have to tell anybody, so he gets to keep the gold all on his own, and and he, like, their society. It's It's a basic capitalist system you know, the Cylons, yeah. the, the, the so, c- cyclones are really, are, are just an extreme of, they're where we're at. You know, we weren't yeah. quite there when Battlefield Earth came out, but we're fucking there now. Yeah. Yeah. Where they're just blackmailing each other to, to make Better deals and get more money, and everybody's out to screw everybody. And you know, that's that's America right now, yeah. You know, so you won't have to tell, he won't have to tell home office, you know. And yeah, are we really to believe that home office is home office all of Cyclone? Is it home yeah. office of this whole planet? No, it's the home office of Walmart. They're Walmart. Yeah. Because that's all this is. John Travolta, assistant manager at Walmart in a, in a, in a shop on Earth. That's it. That's who yeah. he is. Uh, so they put a device on on our captured native guy Johnny. Johnny. What was Johnny his last Goodboy. name? Johnny Goodfellow? Goodbody? Slimbody? Johnny Huh? I
1: don't remember what the last name is and I don't want to look it up because then I would have to put effort into Battlefield
0: Earth. But really, the point I'm getting to there is like, they have forgotten about the invading force of aliens that have taken over their planet and forced them to live like animals. That slips in, slips their mind. Yeah, but the name yeah. Johnny survives. Yeah, that's a bit weird. That's a bit sus.
1: Now that you mention it.
0: And with a last name. Goodfellow whatever the fuck it is. Johnny Goodboy something. I'm
1: surprised it's not Freeman. I remember seeing this in like 2003, 2004, but I just remember... I remember it being one of those things of, oh, you 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 founded the Church of Ed Wood. Oh, so you've seen Battlefield Earth, right? So many people try to be like, oh, you like bad movies? Have you seen Blank? You haven't. Oh, you have to watch this. I remember being forced to watch Battlefield Earth in like 2003 or four or something like that. But I just remember being bored by it. But. Now, looking back at it, I think it's because when I watched it, I was too close to the actual time that it came out. And remember Battlefield Earth toys on shelves and stuff yeah. like that. Like, Battlefield Earth Cups
2: available at Circle K or 7-Eleven or whatever.
1: You know Circle K isn't Circle K anymore?
0: Pissed off about this. Pissed off, I say pissed off! Circle K is not Circle K anymore? No, uh,
1: they were bought by another company, and so Circle K have, in America at least, Circle K have all been changed, and now they're called, uh, Casey's, I believe. Really? Uh, yeah, the, uh... Yeah, Yeah, they're, they're slowly but surely changing the name of all of the Circle K's. Huh. Yeah, it's very upsetting. All of the Circle K's here in the state are now uh, Casey's, I believe. It pisses me off, but that's beside the point. So,
0: I think so when I George saw the film Walter first... takes this guy and puts him in a smart machine so he can learn how to mine and then he releases them so that he can go back to his friends, so John Travolta can capture them too and make them smart. So making a pack of humans smart, there's nothing wrong with this plan. Perfect plan nope. proof. Nothing could go wrong here.
2: Nope.
0: <coughs> no problems at all. So they get smart, they learn how to use the smart machine, they get smarter and they get smart enough to figure out how to blow up another fucking planet. Yeah. They get that smart out of blowing yeah. cloths and I don't know, maybe belly button lint. That's all the technology they had access to.
1: And then, like, they're in Fort Knox preparing f- for a fight, the humans and the Cyclone, whatever the fuck. And so they had. So our hero, Johnny, has the other humans going through... Uh, what is it? Uh... uh th- army training and they're going through a, a, a flight simulator and it's like oh well that's interesting i wonder how they got electricity to run a flight simulator when it's the year 3000 and everything's been fucking destroyed but whatever yeah i don't know why i'm thinking about logic in an l ron hubbard story but okay fun <laughs> in the simulator everything works perfectly books are still fine. It's a thousand years.
0: Yeah, Yeah, they haven't crumpled to dust at all. And seriously, yeah. how incredibly technical advanced or superior or anything else are these Cyclos? And they somehow managed to overlook Fort fucking Knox? Yeah. 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 The Ferengi would have been on that shit in a fucking second. The second that ship landed, it would have landed on Fort Knox. Absolutely. (coughs) Yeah. Okay. So they're not even good at being the kind of evil they're supposed to be.
1: Yeah. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. So... Uh... I want to talk about the making of this film. And how it was all a scam. Okay. All of it. The writing of the book. The success of the book. The turning it into a movie the movie that we watched the whole thing was just a scam from start to finish so let's talk about it L. Ron Hubbard science fiction author pulp uh, science fiction magazines and then he wrote the bullshit book Dianetics in 1950 in 1952 he lost the rights to his own book and so he created Scientology he basically created a religion around the book that he lost the rights to Uh, Fun fact, I read this on Twitter. QAnon is Scientology for people who can't afford to go up the bridge. (laughs) I really like that analogy.
2: Yeah. It's really good.
1: Yeah. So then in 1970, Operation Snow White happened. Scientology had 5,000 secret agents infiltrate 136 government agencies so that they could steal records regarding Scientology from the U.S. government. And so basically, and that, combined with a bunch of other uh, countries starting to crack down on the nonsensical bullshit of Scientology, led uh, L. Ron Hubbard to found the Sea Org. A sea organization so that he could cowardly free persecution in international waters. And Operation Snow White is not talked about as much as it should. I'm sorry, but Scientology is a terrorist organization because they attacked the United States. Yes. Operation Snow White was basically a January 6th insurrection, but no one died. And it pisses me off that Scientology is not seen as an enemy to this nation. As it should. As it should. Yeah. So, uh, it, it just shows you how much rich white people can get away with. You know? Just goes to show you, in 1975, L. Ron Hubbard returned to the United States and lived a secluded life in his massive Corleone family type estate. He wasn't writing. He hadn't written for a long time. He was focusing on the religion until 1982, four years before his death of, oh, I'm sorry to see this. He died of small penis disease. Didn't even know that was a thing. I guess he. it was a
4: case.
1: Or so I've heard. I read that on the internet. L. Ron Hubbard was going back to writing. He wrote a big callback pulp science fiction epic called battlefield earth and uh oh look uh l ron hubbard the pulp magazine author is back and his book bfe climb to the top of the bestseller list but uh, i have said this before on this podcast at length You have no reason to trust the New York Times bestseller list because anybody can get on the New York Times bestseller list as long as you have enough money to purchase your own book in bulk. Oh, Donald Trump Jr., number one book on the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list. Yeah, Republicans buy mass copies of Republican-written books to guarantee it being a bestseller. It's very easy to have a bestseller if you have the money to make it happen, and a lot of booksellers all over America have Tales of the bulk orders of, hey, there's this new book coming out, and then you get a call from an organization and, oh, I need 1,500 copies of this book. And it's a pain in the ass. So, yeah, uh, Battlefield Earth was a bestseller because Scientology bought the book on bulk. Oh, we need 5,000 copies here at the Hollywood Center to give out as prizes. And oh, look, every other Scientology Center is also buying mass copies of the book. And also look at this. Scientology Centers are actually trying to press its members to purchase bulk copies of the book to give out to family and friends. And oh, look, I work at a Walden Books at the mall, and suddenly all of these people are buying nine copies of uh, L. Ron Hubbard's new book. So, uh, yeah. uh, The whole thing was 100% bullshit. Oh, yeah. The concept of Battlefield Earth based on the best-selling book. Oh, no. That's total bullshit. That's total bullshit. It was a best-selling book because Scientology made it a best-selling book and not because it sold a bunch but it's fucking 1982, and people don't fully understand that yet, and so L. Ron Hubbard is able to walk the streets and be like, "Yes, I'm back, Elron Hubbard, successful author once again." Oh yeah, studios have been contacting me. Well, when, oh, when when of the big the, ones.
0: when oh, are we talking about like a re-release on the book? Because didn't the book come out like quite a bit earlier? Like early. No, 60s I somewhere. looked it
4: up!
1: I looked yeah. this shit up!
0: Yeah, Battlefield Earth,
1: a saga of the year 3000 is a 1982 science fiction novel written by L. Ron Hubbard. He also composed a soundtrack to the book called Space Jazz. <laughs> the soundtrack to the book Battlefield Earth and he got all of the famous jazz people who were also Scientologists to be in it, so like Stanley Clark was on bass, Chick Corea was on keyboards, and apparently it's called, it's known as one of uh, the worst jazz albums in the history of jazz music, which says a lot, because it's jazz! Yeah. Yeah. So, I was shocked, I thought it came out in the 60s or 70s, but no,
0: 1982 fucking book. Yeah, but that, yeah. See, I I just thought it was an older book, but that kind of makes sense because I had first heard of it uh, when I was commuting in and out from the city to work, and that'd be around '82, '83. Did it for a little while. Uh, And a friend of mine was like a voracious science fiction reader, you know? And yeah. most of most of his stuff came from like that 60-ish, you know, like Isaac Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, yeah. you know, the hardcore shit, Heinlein, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and he had read it and he, he hated it. <laughs> but I just, because yeah. of that, that's why I thought it was like a much older book. Yeah, I, so did I. I was
2: shocked to see it came out in 82. But
1: uh, because people don't realize how easy it is to cheat the New York Times bestseller list, uh, fucking L. Ron Hubbard is walking around. Hey, you know, yeah. It, it's amazing being a best-selling author. Again, all of the major Hollywood studios have been contacting me, all of the big ones. I've already written three screenplays. People are saying it's going to be the next Star Wars. I've heard that numerous times. It's going to be the next Star Wars. I'm definitely not a liar. Why would I lie to you? I have a number one best-selling book. Yeah, this is going to be the next Star Wars. And in 1985, they were working on making a low-budget version of it, but it went nowhere, and Hubbard died soon afterwards. Enter our boy John Fricking Travolta. He joined Scientology early in 75. Yeah. That is astounding. Yeah, he's been (laughs) there for
0: a real long time.
1: Yeah, and so he was, you know, John Travolta was big in the 70s. When Elron Hubbard was still alive and before his death, after writing Battlefield Earth, but before his death, Elron Hubbard himself said, "I hope John Travolta eventually makes a Battlefield Earth movie." Oh, okay. that's really difficult to hear your savior say. Yeah. So John Travolta always wanted to make the movie, but the problem was he was always, like, mid-tier, but he was never a major star, and then, boom, here comes the frickin' 80s! Thanks, Tarantino! <laughs> the is your fault! So then, Dixon <laughs> gets shorty, face-off, primary color, suddenly he was a major player, and in 1995... Uh, he's there with his uh, managers and, and everything and they're like please John don't make this movie you can't make this movie you, you do not want to make this movie and John Travolta's like my entire career throughout the 70s and 80s I've wanted I, I've wanted to, to you know, since this book came out I've been wanting to do a movie the author himself said I should make this movie and I've been waiting And now that I'm one of the biggest stars in America, if I don't do it now, then it'll never happen. We need to do it. So in 1995, he announces that he is uh, working uh, his hardest to to make the movie. But no studio wanted it. No studio at all. But oh, buddy, let me tell you the amazing story of franchise pictures. (laughs) I love this story. The head of Franchise Pictures was a former dry cleaning mogul and nightclub owner. So, nice. oh nice yeah. class act, real class act.
0: Well, right uh, off the name, I laughed when I saw Franchise Pictures. Yes, it's like, did. it's like
1: Franchise Pictures, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. It's like that's really being like positive, I guess. I don't know. I found it really fucking yeah. weird.
1: Yeah. Franchise Pictures specialized in making pet projects for stars on a low budget that would guarantee a financial success on name alone, because all of these big Hollywood stars always have their pet project, their little vanity project, the one thing that they wanna do, and hey, this studio turned it down, this studio turned it down, this studio turned it down, and Sylvester Stallone in his mansion is going, oh man, everyone's doing a Pulp Fiction ripoff I wanna do a Pulp Fiction-style crime movie too, but no one wants to finance my movie. And then knock, knock, knock. Hey, how you doing? We're Franchise Pictures. We would love to make the movie Get Carter for you, Mr. Stallone. Of course, you'll have to agree to a reduced pay because really, Stallone, we're doing you a favor here. So Stallone, who's making, you know, $15 $15 million a picture. is like, oh, finally, a studio wants to make my movie. Sure, I'll make it at a reduced price. And that's how a major studio gets a major player to make a movie for such a small amount of money that Get Carter comes out. And even if it's a bomb, Franchise Pictures is still making money. Yeah. And so a lot of the movies that they did... We're not the best, but they found a way to trick people into, oh, Kevin Costner and Kurt Russell wanna do a crime caper where they're Elvis impersonators. No actual fucking studio will make this stupid movie. How you do it, franchise pictures. We'll gladly make 3,000 miles to Graceland for you. Of course, Kevin Costner <laughs> and Kurt Russell, you'll have to agree to a pay decrease, because you know, we're doing you a favor here. And that is the story of Franchise Pictures, right? They make vanity projects that studios won't touch, and they found a way to, you know, to, to kinda sorta scam celebrities into making <coughs> a decent amount of change for, for their studio. Uh, did you know that Steve Buscemi made a neo-noir crime film sent in San Quentin called Animal Factory? No. It was an early uh, uh, co-starring role for Danny Trejo. No studio wanted to touch it. How you doing, Steve? Uh, Franchise Pictures. We'd love to (laughs) do this movie that no one will see, because uh, if we've got you as a writer, director, and star, we're guaranteed to make a a hit as long as you agree to a pay decrease. And that's the story of Franchise Pictures. Here are some other film... Movie films that Franchise Pictures made. Uh, the Caveman's Valentine. You remember that film? Samuel Jackson is like a homeless guy in the park and witnesses a murder. I remember oh. that film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Caveman's Valentine. Fear.com?
0: That I had seen.
1: Uh, the whole that had the crying game guy. The, Yeah, yeah, that movie, that movie, yeah. The Whole Nine Yards, Ballistics, X vs. Sever, and a little film you probably haven't heard of called The Boondock Saints.
0: Really? That was
1: franchise pictures, yeah. They also made a David Mamet crime film called Heist, which starred Gene Hackman, Delroy Lindo, and Danny DeVito. Who were all in Get Shorty, and they did a crime film together, written and directed by David Mamet, which ended up being the highest grossing film ever directed by David Mamet in the U.S.? But anyway, that's Franchise Pictures. Franchise Pictures, John Travolta's in his uh, uh, Scientology pod, I don't fucking know. And he's like, man, none of these studios want to make Battlefield or... How you doing? Hey, Franchise Pictures, we will gladly make your Battlefield Earth movie. Of course, John Travolta, you'll have to make a a significant pay cut to be in this. But hey, we're going to make it. Don't worry about it. We promise this isn't a scam. So they make Battlefield Earth. Travolta wanted to star in the film. But he was too old by the time he got it off, the, the, actually got filming, so he sadly had to be the bad guy in it, which I think is why he's acting so fucking insane, because he really wanted to be fucking Johnny.
0: Okay.
1: Hey, come on, guys, I could still be Johnny. That's not a good Travolta, but... I feel like it still has a taste of Travolta.
0: Yeah, a hint East of Travolta. A hint. Yeah, in, in yeah. essence, a sprinkling of Travolta. A,
1: a smattering of Travolta. Yeah,
0: a smattering of Travolta. Also, uh, John Travolta. That. Con- okay, wait, 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 wait. If we ever get him for a porn, that's the title.
1: A smattering of Travolta.
0: A smattering of Travolta.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm down with that. Travolta contacted Tarantino and asked him if he wanted to direct Battlefield Earth. Yeah. Wow. I bet. I bet Tarantino loses sleep over missing. So uh, this, you know. <laughs> Tarantino is like, ah, oh, Battlefield Earth. The one that got away. Yeah. I'm happy. That, I'm happy that Tarantino didn't make Battlefield Earth because I wouldn't have wanted to have seen so many close-ups of John Travolta's alien
0: feet. Well, if you, and if you think about it, Travolta really hasn't been in any other Tarantino movies, has he? Yeah.
1: No, he absolutely has not, and that's Especially what Tarantino that. does.
0: That's that's. A lot especially since yeah Tarantino loves recycling people.
1: Yeah. So that does say a lot. I imagine seems, in
0: the in the and it seems to me like actors are like kind of pulled into the Tarantino zone kind of like a black hole, you know? Yeah. Because it was smaller yeah. people. It was John Travolta, it was Samuel L. Jackson, who was not nearly as big then as he is now. Uh, you know, people oh, no. like who this. who can forget when
1: Amos and Andrew uh, fandom swept the nation. <laughs> I remember.
0: And then he started sucking <laughs> in now DiCaprio and Brad Pitt and people like this. Yeah. That he, he is now reusing in his movie, so he's like everybody will sue, Tarantino will sooner or later absorb the Marvel universe
1: yeah, I'm alright with that, I'm alright with that, I don't know Uh, I still feel that Tarantino is just always six inches away from a Me Too reckoning (laughs) yes, I yes I really do like, I know the feed thing, I know the foot thing, like, I understand that, but also, like, y- you were best friends with Harvey Weinstein, and you just seem like someone who has definitely snorted something off of the some part of someone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And Travolta, uh, Tarantino seems like the type of person who definitely has his favorite flavor of lube. 1000% <laughs> sure about that. Yeah. Never been sure of that in my life. So when I was watching Battlefield Earth this week, I was imagining Taren- Quentin Tarantino's Battlefield Earth, and I had a lot of fun with that. What is this primitive human machine you have brought me? I am not sure. I think the humans called it a record player. Well, let's see if it works. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. And that's how he gets the soundtrack in the movie. Yeah. That's how Tarantino gets all of the songs in there, because it's not a Tarantino song without old-ass music, so that's how you get it so uh so they're they're making battlefielder this is out of of all the weird stories that i that i like doing my deep dive into battlefielder this is one of my favorites an old newspaper called mean magazine Managed to get their hands on the a copy of the script when they when they just finished shooting and they went into post production. This alternative uh, newspaper, Mean Magazine, got a copy of the script and they said, "This is what we'll do: we'll take the cover page off and we'll give it a different name and a different author and we'll we'll shop it around to all of the studios." And so they did, they gave it a different name, a different author, and they circulated it to every major studio, and they all laughed at it. Quote, this script is, is as entertaining as watching a fly breathe? The script reeks of unoriginality it is full of ham-fisted dialogue it is so bad no one would ever touch it and so even before the movie came out there was a buzz of ooh this is going to be horrible so battlefield earth comes in a bomb event and franchise pictures just keeps releasing these like mid-tier crappy movies and uh uh, Battlefield Earth bombs, and then that's the end of it, but the people who worked on Battlefield Earth are starting to think about it, and they're like, hey, so I was the cameraman. I was the one who did all of the, the, the colored filters and all the Dutch angles of, like, everything's yeah. in a corner throughout the entire movie. You see the entire film like this. That I did that. And I did that because... This film had the lowest camera budget of any film I've ever done. It's like the movie had no budget. And I'm confused about that because Franchise Pictures was all over the place saying, oh, uh, with a budget over $75 million, but here I am, the cameraman, and I'm forced to do all of these touch angles and all of these camera filters because I have no money to do anything. I can't light the damn thing. I can barely film the damn thing. Where has the money gone? And all of these other people who worked on the film are thinking, yeah, you know what? Our catering budget was absolute shit. We were so badly fed that John Travolta uh, flew in his own private chef's to feed everyone. And I'm really thankful to that. Apparently John Travolta is a really nice guy in person, but where did the catering budget go? Yeah, you know what? I was working on the props of this film and we had to work with so little money that we were going to junkyards and and trying to build things to make this a science fiction universe because we had no money. And people start thinking about that. Uh, Start thinking about that budget number so many people start doing rumblings that in 2002 the fbi starts probing franchise pictures and oh my god the court case is such a story but the long and short of it is in making a battlefield earth franchise pictures set a 75 million dollar budget but the budget was actually $44 million, and a lot of that went directly into Travolta's pocket. So in actuality, the director was working on a budget of $24 million, $21 million, and the $75 million that Franchise Pictures claimed – That was pocketed by Franchise, and the court, the U.S. uh, court said that this was fraud, and Franchise had to pay in court, and boom, they went into bankruptcy in 2007. So, the success of Battlefield Earth was a scam. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard saying, "Oh, this is going to be such a successful movie." He was lying. That was a scam. Oh, all the studios are talking to me. They say Battlefield Earth is going to be the next Star Wars. That was all a scam. John Travolta makes wants to make the movie and teams it up with Franchise Pictures, who then scammed them while making Battlefield Earth. So this is a scam movie based on a scam novel. It's scamception. <laughs> And I love the fact that L. Ron Hubbard was a scam artist and he wrote this book, which was a scam bestseller. And oh, what beautiful, delicious irony that when Scientology finally made the movie, they were scammed. Yes. The biggest scammers in the world were scammed. That is fucking wonderful and I absolutely love that so much Uh, fun fact as a hardcover book uh, Battlefield Earth is almost 800 pages and in paperback it's well over a thousand pages long and so it's impossible to accurately make the book as one film and so the movie that we just watched was just the first half Of the actual novel and franchise pictures had already announced Battlefield Earth 2 for 2002. It was uh, scheduled to be released at the same time as one of the Star Wars prequels. Because okay. Travolta was still like, oh, well, L. Ron Hubbard said that Battlefield Earth was going to be the next Star Wars, so when we release the sequel, we're releasing it head-to-head with one of the Star Wars prequels, and we're gonna take George Lucas down. But the FBI put an end to Battlefield Earth, too! Fuck! God <laughs> damn, they cock-blocked us from getting more Battlefield Earthies! Okay. So so here's the thing that I find fascinating. So the bad guy aliens are called
0: cyclos cyclos yeah. cyclons cyclos. Okay. Yeah.
1: So L. Ron Hubbard wrote the book Dianetics in 1950, and it's all total bullshit about unlocking the powers of the mind. And our minds are powerful, but we don't have access to the entirety of our mind because our souls and our mental energy are being blocked by these negative Uh, events in our life called n-grams that we need to clear by a process called auditing and it's all a lie written by a pulp magazine author and college dropout with no experience in health science psychology or anything and so after it's release, the American Psychological Association had to come out and say okay didn't know we had to do this but uh, Dianetics is bullshit didn't think we had to say this Didn't think anyone would fall for this, but fuck, this is not based on facts. None of this is real. And that hurt L. Ron Hubbard's feelings so bad that when he went on to create Scientology, he said, okay, this is a religion now. And let me tell you who the number one enemy is. Psychiatrists! What I'm trying to
4: say is,
1: L. Ron Hubbard is Donald Trump. I'm the president now, so you all have to listen to me. I'm the most popular president of all time. And the media said, um, the president just lied. And Donald Trump said, okay, we have an enemy and it's the media, those lying bastards. It's fake news. They're the enemy of America and not me because the media hurt Donald Trump's little feelings. Donald Trump is basically L. Ron Hubbard, but he was more successful at the
0: scale. So And Ian a brief R- moment on Engrams. I do want to remind everybody that Engrams was featured in a particular episode of the original Star Trek. I forget what the episode name was, but it was the one that had William Marshall in it, who had built a computer that would run the enterprise without a crew. And it was run yes. by programmed Engrams.
1: Huh.
2: There you go. Okay.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, uh, L. Ron Hubbard is a total lying piece of shit. So in the book, the bad guys are the Cyclones, but in the book, they go into more detail about the Cyclones'
4: origins and history,
1: and the Cyclones are ruled by a higher class of aliens called the Catrisis who are described as an evil group of charlatans. So it's the Cyclones and the Catracists. So together they form the Cyclocatracists, who are evil charlatans. I'm surprised the hero wasn't named Truman. Yeah. Truman Freeman, good guy.
4: Yeah. No.
1: Because Jesus, L. Ron Hubbard, you're really, you're not going for subtlety here no anyway uh, this film is, is pretty bad but uh, John Travolta is hilarious and the ending where there's all the science fiction planes, and then they, suddenly the humans show up in like fucking B-52s and shit I thought to myself when that scene happened if I was 12 I would mark the fuck out from this yeah Like, that is pretty cool. But then again, that was L. Ron Hubbard saying, I'm going to write a fucking old school stupid pulp novel and that's exactly the sort of thing that you would find in some book you paid 65 cents from for. Yeah. At like uh, you know? But I don't, I liked Battlefield Earth. It's so bad. It is so bad that I had fun with it, at least more than any of the other damn movies we saw this, we've seen this year. It's been a freaking, it's been difficult watching the movies that we have had to watch. Slender Man was horrible, Bratz was a fucking piece of shit, Spice World, Uh, Wicker Man. I'd rather watch Battlefield Earth than have to watch uh, fucking Wicker Man again. Dungeons and Dragons... I'm going through my notebooks. Oh, fucking Street Fighter! Oh, yeah. Oh, swept away. At least this is finally the first one we've watched that is at least so bad that like I have fun uh, watching this dumbass piece of shit. I loved. Yeah. I I laughed out loud at the scene where fucking Barry Pepper is like. We have mined gold for you, and John Travolta picks up these, like, Fort Knox fucking...
2: Why are they in
1: bar form? And, like, I laughed out loud at that. That was
2: so fucking stupid. Oh, because we know that the Cyclones would uh, prefer it not to be in its un-fucking...
1: Yeah, I, it, it was a really stupid movie, and I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and I'm I, I'm really thinking that from here on out, because this movie was is number twenty on the IMDb bottom one hundred list of the one hundred worst movies of all time. I'm pretty sure from here on out we're gonna be watching stupid movies that are gonna be fun.
0: Okay, we can fingers hope. Fingers Because it has been yeah. rough.
1: It has been a rough-ass time. It has been a rough-ass <coughs> time.
0: So, and okay. you know what? And you know what? I'm sorry. But I blame Tim Curry.
1: Yeah. yeah. I 100% blame Tim Curry.
0: Okay. So,
1: uh so that's all I've got for this week's movie, uh, Battlefield Earth. The funny thing is, is that throughout this entire discussion of Battlefield Earth, I repeatedly forgot the name of the movie and had to check my notes. I did it just now. So that's been our movie, um... Battlefield Earth. Yeah. And, like, you know that's a sign of a bad movie when you're forgetting the name of the movie. Yeah. So, uh... So next week... The results have been finalized. We got 17 votes. Coming in dead last was the movie Son of the Mask. Coming in in second place was from Justin to Kelly. And next week, an historic moment for this podcast. We are watching our first Uwe Bull film with his... Movie adaptation of the video game Alone in the Dark, starring Christian Slater and featuring Tara Reed in the part she was born to play, a scientist.
4: Oh I'm pretty excited hey. we can get
1: Yui Bolt to box us. Do you think we could get Yui Bolt to box us?
0: I don't know, maybe. Maybe.
1: That's the goal for next week—to piss him off so much that he threatens to box us like he has done with so many other actual critics of his films.
3: Now that's a that I would pay to watch.
0: Yeah. What year did this movie come out? Because this this movie Alone sounds like a cry for help. You know, this sounds like a couple of actors that. Really need to jumpstart their career again.
1: So it came try out. Trying t-
0: this. Huh? It
1: came out at the end of January 2005. It stars Christian Slater, Stephen Dorff, oh. and Tara
0: Reed. Okay, okay. Uh, Since you mentioned Stephen Dorff, okay. As we watch this movie, please keep in mind that he feels he is too good to be in a Black Widow movie. Or any Marvel movie. The star of Space Truckers that's
1: that's
0: beneath him.
1: Yeah. And I might be mistaken, but I believe this is the film where they add... Scenes from the actual video game into the movie? I mean, like literally showing. It might not be this one, and it might be one of the other ones that he did. But anyway, yeah, this is considered to be one of, if not the worst film ever made. And it's our first Yui Bull film, so that's going to be exciting. Also, to next uh, week, we're going to be dis- discussing. Uh, the number four worst film of all time, a Turkish propaganda film. We're going to be talking about the Erdogan regime in Turkey. It's going to get serious. And also WWE news. There's a lot of professional wrestling news out there. We're going to be tackling that. Get your pizza cutters ready for next week. It's going to be uh, a really exciting episode next week. But now that I'm getting, now that I'm, uh, now that we're at the end of this week, oh man, it has been a roller coaster. Daniel Kubelbach, M Night Shyamalan, the SPC SCPG, uh, John Travolta. Oh man, I gotta say, I think this has been a pretty good episode. Oh look, funny, look, uh, uh, nice. I've been writing. I've been writing. Uh, the podcast on Notebooks lately, and I got a bunch of stickers from uh, a 420 uh, like 420 of Palooza party, so I got all of these stickers from different uh, uh, companies, and look, I got a Keef on the back.
4: Ooh. I got a Keef
1: sticker. That has fucked us up. Fucked us both up. Yes, I it love does. That. I love that so much. I gotta say, I think this has been a pretty darn good episode of the podcast.
0: I think it's been a damn good episode.
1: Okay, good. I felt the same way, but I didn't want to step on your toes because I feel that you're the person who makes that distinction and not me, so it's not its not within my power. It's not within my authority. You know, you got the wrong guy. I'm the Dude. But, yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir.
0: So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Stephen on behalf of
1: Maxwell and Natasha and Bella and the kittens and everybody else in the house. I just want to say... Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And you douchebags. And-, and you, you evil like
5: psychiatrists.
1: Nice. Way to remember the whole theme of the of the podcast. Way to really tie it in a bow, Maxwell. Bringing it at
2: home. Bringing
1: it around.
2: Bringing it around town. remember
5: what I said?
3: Okay.
1: Uh um, I remember okay. the dumb movie about about evil psychiatrists. About how psychiatrists are evil, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh doo
3: do 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 do
1: do 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 Doo Wow and break and cut cut and print.
0: Okay, I interrupt t- the cut cookie. because I forgot to mention one. Rather important thing yeah. that yes. July was our most listened month ever. That no has not happened shit. in quite yeah. a while. Probably,
1: probably all Spice Girls fans, right? That's what probably. I'm Probably Fans of Spice Girls and Julia Goldani Tellis, the star of Slender Man, her fan base really came through. Uh, hey, thank you. Thank you for liking and subscribing. You know what time it
0: is. Yeah. (laughs) Now break. Now we're cut. And printed.